the incomparable. Number 566, May 2021. Hello, and welcome to the Incomparable Podcast. I am your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're talking about a very fun, I think, underappreciated film from 2010. It is Megamind, starring a, a what a cast, Will Ferrell, Tina Fey, Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt, David Cross, and uh, superhero things. Superheroes are popular and lots of funny jokes. And yeah, it's a DreamWorks. I know it's a DreamWorks movie and it's not cool to like DreamWorks movies. Uh, and there are reasons, uh, which we'll get into. But I love I love Megamind. And I found some wonderful people to watch Megamind and talk about Megamind with me in this episode. I mentioned this on our episode we did about all superhero movies ever released. That was like in the first 20 episodes of The Incomparable. Yeah, we did that back then. Anyway, not since then. So here we go. Here we go. David J. Lohr joins me. Hello. Hello, Jazan Snell. Uh, yes, indeed. Olo to Annette Weirstra as well. Olo. Olo. Uh, Olo, Moises Chuyan. Olo, the weather here in Metrocity today is overcast with a chance of falling debris. And code, not Tony. It's Chip Sutter. Hello. Code, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Megamind. It it is the most like Pixar in DreamWorks mode of DreamWorks movies. Yes, it it minimizes the worst impulses of DreamWorks movies mostly. Mostly. Yeah, it's I mean, okay, so DreamWorks. <laughs> Let's just start there. <laughs> you have to start there, don't you? So so and nobody knows what DreamWorks is anymore. Let's make sure to catch everybody up on what DreamWorks is. DreamWorks <laughs> movies like, you know, your Shreks, your 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 uh your Shark's Tale. Shark's Tale, exactly. Your Tales Shark. Um and this and this director Tom McGrath has directed like four Madagascar movies. Okay. So, which are actually my kids really love the first Madagascar. I I don't have opinions about anything else but the that 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 and the, I guess the Penguins of Madagascar which was written by the writers of this was pretty good. I don't really I don't know about the provenance of this. The the I'm ba- honestly baffled that the credited screenwriters uh have not done something else other than Madagascar movies because Either there were uncredited screenwriters who did a really great job on this, or these people did a great job and then didn't get any other work. But what I wanted to say about DreamWorks is the one thing that is in this movie that I hate about DreamWorks movies is the super aggressive licensing of popular music, especially Mm -hmm. catalog music Mm -hmm. from the past, and using it in lots of key ways. And this movie's got all of them right. It's got Bad to the Bone. It's got all the obvious choices too, right? Bad to the Bone Mm -hmm. is a good one. Highway to... Yeah, yeah. Um, back in black. Back in black. Bad. Bad at the end of the movie. It loving you. I well, that one, which might be the one. That's that a works. good. That's a good comedy. <laughs> comedy. Like, yeah, that was a good pull. That was a good yes. pull. But, but this this is DreamWorks in emphasizing the Geffen in the SKG <laughs> appendage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Music <laughs> licensing is the future of film. Uh, and I hate that. I hate that about Shrek. You know, this is one of my things, not to get off on a like a Shrek tangent, but I feel like <laughs> a lot of DreamWorks movies are cravenly commercial in a way that Pixar's movies aren't. And I, I feel like that's one of the big differences. I mean, there are lots of differences between Pixar movies. <laughs> Pixar who well, hates making money. Well, well, but this is the difference, right? Is Pixar <laughs> likes to right. make a movie that they like to make money, but they, they have, like Disney, the eye on the prize, which is I want my movie to be beloved by generations of children exactly. and for years and, and have a timeless quality. And, and, DreamWorks' opinion seems to be, look, people see it the year it comes out, and then who cares after that? If it all seems dated. Also, we're making choices for for songs that even the parents of the kids watching this movie don't really get because they're so old. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, J- Jason, I think I know the answer because somebody once told me. Oh, oh, oh. I had to, and now it's out. No. I, there we go. We've, we've done it. We've done the gag, no. and now it's done. And now this is officially a DreamWorks oh. podcast. <laughs> hold on hold on farts we're back in black so i don't like that thing about megamind that's a thing i don't like about megamind that is the only thing i don't like about megamind is the dreamworks-ishness of it and i actually feel like if people were a little less snobbish about dreamworks movies they might look at megamind and admit it's actually especially now that we've been soaking in superheroes for the last decade it's really a good movie that has a lot of good jokes about superhero tropes 
and has kind of a message that's pretty good. I don't know. Like that, that is, I, I can talk about the plot a little bit. We'll walk through it, but like overarching as we get started here, I, I wonder if maybe in 2021, after more than a decade of Avengers and related Marvel movies and all the DC movies with the various Snyder cuts and not cuts and all of those things, I wonder if maybe I appreciate Megamind even more now because like more of us have seen these kind of stories play out over the last decade. I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, I, it's it's a movie I liked at the time, and and I still liked the things that I liked about it, right? There are a lot of good jokes, well-deployed. There are a lot of dumb good jokes, well-deployed. Um, there are a couple of moments that didn't sit well with me this time, but uh, on the whole, yeah. I mean, just in terms of hitting those tropes and making making your jokes about superheroes, it's a very canny film. It's a very smart film on, on a lot of that. So... I'm coming into this with the just I could not be colder. I could huh. I could not be colder on this. Uh never seen it before. A bit of a Dreamworks snob. Mm. <laughs> uh I my the only Dreamworks movie that I really love is the original How to Train Your Dragon. Okay. And I'm not a big fan of Will Ferrell or the Frat Pack uh folks. So so I'm 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 over a bunch coming into this thing and Jason Snell says he likes Megamind. Mm, I do. There's, there's, there's okay. What either, does it Jason mean? Is bro- either Jason is broken <laughs> in some way that I did not know before, or there's something to it. And I gave it a shot. It's, I, now I will agree with you on Will Ferrell. I almost never find him funny because he always tries too hard. The things in his movies that I find funny are rarely him. Like like the Eurovision movie on Netflix is funny despite the fact that it's a Will Ferrell movie, right? This at least he's giving a restrained performance. He it's a little more controlled, and and he's not just playing the wacky goofball, right? There's a little more to this, but yeah, there are things about the movie. We'll we'll get to that. I, we'll get to that. I I like Will Ferrell, but I like a specific sort of performance from Will Ferrell that he doesn't yeah. give a lot. I think his greatest. Uh, feature his greatest power is his ability to commit to any part and just fully mm-hmm. commit to it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sure. that's not yeah. in the, it, sometimes it doesn't really not work out. Thing. And, yeah. and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And Elf is, of course, the I think prime example yeah, of like, you, yeah, you did it. But, but in Mega Mind, you know, I, I feel like his presence is, is making the movie better. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yes, I mean, Chip, perhaps what you didn't know about me is I have a little melancholy. My heart. <laughs> chalk it up. Chalk it up to the side that loves real genius. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know yeah. that's a movie that features popped corn. So there you that's go. That's right. <laughs> Will Ferrell has has those movies that that uh, that are like Elf that land for a lot more people than some of his other movies. And then there are some movies he has like Blades of Glory, which I think is tremendously underappreciated and a great uh, a great example of. Um, of something that did not do well, but that highlights exactly that committing to the bit thing yeah. that, that is why he was so successful at the groundlings. It's why he was so successful at Saturday night yeah. live. And it's why he made that cowbell sketch work. Yep. Um, that is the same <laughs> Fully committed. reason. Yeah. That is the same reason that Megamind works so well. He, he's one of my favorite things in, in the first Austin Powers movie. And it's similarly because he's got a very small part, but he is fully committed to being a very badly burned henchman in that movie. So, I, I just, if there's if there's a single thing that I like most about this movie um, from from the script standpoint is that as as somebody who grew up both as a young actor and a not so young actor um, being told that I was and was not allowed to play this this kind of part that I was and was not right for this kind of part, uh, which as a kid was because of how I looked and how unpronounceable my name was. I wasn't. Um, you know, Jason Smith. Um, and there, there were romantic lead parts. There were, there were all kinds of parts that were considered off limits to me by not just a theater teacher, but multiple theater teachers. My high school theater teacher told me that the only role in Romeo and Juliet that I was good for was Tybalt because I just am nothing but angry energy. And the lady had known me for three days and I'm pretty sure that I had not, um, had not hulked out. And after that, she was right. Yeah, after that, after she that was moment. completely right, and uh, and I, pl- I played nothing but angry villains with with knives and swords. Um, but I, I I dig the I dig that central thread 
um, in the story that that I think was there from the very origins of the project that made it all the way through to execution and the 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 polish on various aspects of the story feels so um, so Pixar alike um, th- mm-hmm. that is uncharacteristic for a lot of DreamWorks stuff for me where it's like so how many of these Madagascar sequels can we do how many spinoffs can we do. Um, how incomprehensible can we make a How to Train Your Dragon sequel? Um, and the, you know, The Incredibles was six years earlier, and that's uh-huh. Pixar's take on the superhero movie. And I could see that Pixar basically kind of couldn't do another one. They did The Incredibles. I, I I get it. But what I like about Megamind is that it is not trying to do the same thing that The Incredibles no. is. Yeah. No, no, no. The, Incred- the Incredibles went for Fantastic Four-ish, and this went for Superman-ish. Yeah. And, and this has the focus of the villain- who actually gets redemption? Yes. Which the the Incredibles is just straight up superhero and well, spy, but it's fine. I love. I it. did watch this movie and completely forgot almost everything about <laughs> it, it except for that redemption arc. And I remembered I liked it. I was did like, you get I hit by the forget movie. me stick? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. Someone probably Nick. I blame Nick. He smacked me hard with that mm. forget me stick. But yeah, no, I was like I remembered that arc, and that was appealing to me yeah i forgot who was in it it took me like quite a while to figure out oh that's will ferrell (laughs) and i love the hook i love the hook that you know it's not just that it's a supervillain getting redemption it's a supervillain who apparently has vanquished his hero rival and then realizes he needs that balance he's the dog who he's the proverbial dog who caught the car right yeah right Mm -hmm. i mean in Mm -hmm. in in literal superman dc comics terms it's so what would happen if Brainiac did vaporize Superman? Mm-hmm. Would would he be just fine? Um, <laughs> yeah. Not having literally the only focus of his existence yeah, no. around? The answer is no. no. <laughs> In fact, he would not be okay. So um, I'll, I'll step through the plot like we do here usually. And and, and please stop me when you've got things to say about it. Um, but I, I, I think there's a very important thing that happens at the beginning. And it's not the, not the well, here's my day so far. Yeah. All these terrible You're things happen. You're probably wondering how, how this yeah, happened that, to me. Yeah, that bothered me. And that's apparently that was Guillermo del Toro's idea. It's, I mean, it it's kind of funny, but like it's totally unnecessary. Um, other than like to explain that this is where we're going to end up is with this guy and he's falling and what does it all mean? But it's totally unnecessary. But the thing that's amazing about the beginning of this movie is the origin of Megamind. Megamind has Superman's origin. Megamind is on a planet. He's a baby. He has two loving parents who put him in a rocket and fire him away before their planet is sucked into a black hole so that he can go. Yes. To stop you for a second. One of my favorite jokes, son, you are destined for. What? What did he say? I didn't get that because the the hatch is closing. Um, I love that. Yeah. So, and then, and then, so you're like, oh, wow, he's got the Superman origin story. And then he says, as an aside, also this other planet has the same origin story. (laughs) And this is Brad Pitt's character who's in his own fancy rocket, who repeatedly knocks Megamind's rocket off course to the point where he ends up, Brad Pitt as uh, Metro Man, ends up in uh, a uh, a mansion and uh, Megamind lands in the Metro City prison where he's raised by prisoners. Can we keep him for the criminally gifted for the, well, yes, for the criminally gifted, but they're, (laughs) they're prisoners. And so you see like upfront in this, the kind of beauty of this is not about being the chosen one with this sort of, uh, you know, like Superman, this sort of Jesus esque story of the godlike being, being sent down to earth. Like literally Megamind is that too, just like Metro man is, but what does Metro man have? Metro man has, privilege he grows mm-hmm. up yeah. rich and i mean he's a rich he's a rich white kid who has all of the everybody loves him when they look at him he's attractive like this isn't this is about all levels of privilege because one of the things i love about this movie is that metro man has everything like literally everybody loves him for every reason ever right he's like he's literally got everything and then there's megamind who's blue and has a weird like swollen egg head and is raised by prisoners (laughs) and pronounces the words wrong which 
any kid who grew up not talking to a lot of people and reading a lot of books pronounces words wrong because they don't know how they're pronounced when they read them in books. That's Megamind. That's why he says shul and poppet corn and matrocity. Uh, also, and, he's a weirdo, and, but that's why. That's why. And saying matrocity for metrocity is a dumb joke deployed so well, and it got me every time. I love that. Well, and if you are if you grew up in the prison, do you not think of Metro City as a bit of an atrocity? I think you do. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so the difference between these characters is not their origin story. They have the, literally the same origin story. The difference is that one of them grew up in a mansion and everybody loves him, and the other one grew up in a prison and everybody hates him and he's an outsider. And the, the point of the movie, which I think is beautiful, is Megamind realizing that, that heroes are, are not born, they're made. And that, you know, he can be just as successful a hero as uh, as Metro Man. But that's not where he starts out because just because of his basically his birth and his origin and him being an outsider. That's what turns him into a villain is is that people don't accept him. And it's it's like the old SNL sketch about, you know, what if Superman landed in Nazi Germany or the what is it? The Red Sun where Superman lands in Russia. Yeah. Right. You know. Uh, it's and it's a great concept. There's, I mean, there's a Looney Tune about that. You know how your appearance and where you are determines a lot of who you who you become, and and this does a nice job with that. So, so a question I have about this movie is: Did we need to get the origin dump all the way at the beginning of the movie? Could it have been spread out over the thing? Um, spoiler alert: I love this movie, but I love it after Metro Man dies. Sure. Um, in <laughs> yeah. the lead up to that, in the in the lead up to that, um, you know, it 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 just it feels a little dreamworky, if you'll forgive the expression. Sure. It feels a little pedestrian. Um I and I and I kind of wanted to get what we get in the uh, uh, in the first part of this movie doled out over the course. I, I bet they tried and then they and and they didn't. I can't, you know, I can't picture it, but yeah, I, I do agree. The movie isn't it's all set up until Metro Man dies. And it's oddly slow, even though a lot of stuff is happening and they're throwing a lot of details at you. It feels interminable until Metro Man dies. Well, there is an argument to be made that this movie should start with the showdown between Metro yes. Man and Megamind, where it's, yes. it's, it, we think we know what we're seeing, which is the supervillain mm-hmm. saying, oh, I'll get you this time. And, and then the hero dies and you're like, oh, no. And then somehow they weave in sort of the backstory of how we got to this point. And I think that would have been more complex. And, it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody at DreamWorks, not to throw DreamWorks again <laughs> under the same bus over and over no, and over it. again. Do it. But, do it. but somebody was like, ah, but the kids won't understand telling a story in that sort of way. So don't do that. Uh, because I yeah. think maybe it would have benefited from just starting with like, you know, this. You could have even had a little narration from Will Ferrell saying, you've seen this story before, right? Uh, but this time, it's a little different because that guy is me. I'm the bad guy. Why am I okay, allowed everybody, to narrate let's this Let's go movie? through this one more time. <laughs> like, yeah, if exactly. you had literally done that, just started with that opening scene, and then get to Metro Man dying, and just that sort of record scratch, and he goes, you know, you're probably wondering how I got to this point. Sure. Because it's like, wait a second. Yeah, the or, hero doesn't die. Or have- or have Metro Man's funeral detail his origin story and have Megamind be very yeah. upset because it's like, that's literally what happened to me. I, you know, the only difference is that I ended having, up in the prison. <laughs> having the funeral at the Metro Man Museum that's being opened right then and there. Yeah. Built-in exposition. I dig that, I dig that uh, when we're, um, we're introduced to our, our love interest, whose name is, uh, is consonant with R's instead of L's. Of course. Um, that she is, she is not exactly um, the way that Lois Lane is, uh, is portrayed in the DC comics yeah. in, in certain iterations where, you know, she, she is real smart except for certain things. Um, is, she's, I, she's, I dig- met, she's Metro Man's not a girlfriend, no, we've never dated, Roxanne Ritchie. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I, I'm, I, I like that up front, it is, uh, it is kind of apparent that um, as much as everybody loves Metro Man and he's so great and he's so chiseled and he's so this and he's so that, you know, he's great and everything, but he's not really her type. Um, there's not a whole lot of there there, as right. we definitely discover later on in the movie. Yeah. Um, and even though the movie ends up using her as a damsel in distress... Um, 
the the degree to which it does that is not as bad as it could have been or as bad as I worried that it would be going in. Yeah. The way she gets treated at certain points did bother me. Yeah. But I do like that she's not the the standard tropes. It's like, yeah, it's like a revisiting of standard sort of superhero damsel in distress, superhero's girlfriend tropes that uh, is in process, right? Like it, it, yeah. it, it, it pushes it, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily push it quite as far away from the, the standard as one might do uh, a decade later. Um, and it's, it's a little, I mean, it's kind of weird to watch it now because it really anticipates a lot of the, you know, the men who can't say no, mm-hmm. the, the sexual harassment at work. And I mean, it's not bad. It's actually a, a good lesson in in that it, story. It's kind of ahead of its time in that regard. way ahead of mm-hmm. its time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are still moments in that, that, that are just, it's like, they're just a little too far. They could you know, dial it fa- down fast one for, or two. Fast notes. forward ten years, and Jonah Hill's character is uh, is the one that the uh, Snyder cut devotees think is the hero of the movie. Yep, <laughs> I, I, was oh, yeah. gonna, I was gonna say the movie the movie dwells a lot on Jonah Hill's character being super creepy and trying to go on a date with her. Um, mm-hmm. And I I was thinking that today, and and then you know, oh no, it turns out he's a villain. And viewed today, it's like, well, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. it's like it's it's so she, it's so obvious. <laughs> but she knew that before when she found out he had superpowers. She's like, oh, no, not yeah. him. Because she already knew mm-hmm. he was a villain. And I liked that she was, she was like, it just sort of underlined that Mega, uh, Mega, not Mega Man, Metro Man was not her type. Neither was this guy for very different reasons. But she was, you know, there were so many people who were coming on to her constantly because they wanted, they read something in her, they wanted her. And she was, she very much knew who she wanted and what she wanted and held like no bones about telling everyone off about it, even in the midst of being thrown about, which I know we're not there in the plot, plot, but she was still like, nope. <laughs> what she wanted was a, a character that looks like it was designed after David Hyde Pierce and just happened to be voiced by not David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so early on in this, what we end up with is we meet, uh, we, we see the origin story, um, Megamind growing up inside the prison walls. Uh, we realize that, um, Oh, J.K. Simmons, in his contractually obligated duty to play all uh, characters with mustaches in animated movies, is the warden of the <laughs> of the prison. By the way, um, his best friend and guardian uh, is David Cross as Minion, who is a fish in a bowl with a big like robot monster kind of gorilla robot uh, body attached to him. Lots of very fun physical humor there, by the way. If you just watch the way that that uh, Minion is animated, there are so many jokes that you don't notice the first time when you see the fish getting spun around in the bowl while the body is moving. It's kind of amazing. And David Cross does, yep. a, does a good or, job or when with he's, that character. When he's going to take a break and, and a little uh, fish castle slides up from his robot mm-hmm. body and he just sort of <laughs> wedges himself into it. Yep. I, I mean, I got to say, th- this is a, a great opportunity to say that uh, Minion uh, and the the training montage sequence uh, that involves him uh, is 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 the one of the few really solid Nintendo gags I've maybe ever seen yeah. in a movie where they basically just do Donkey Kong <laughs> with the, the giant cyborg gorilla suit dodging <laughs> barrels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was solid. Um, there is a uh, we meet so we meet Roxanne Ritchie and and Hal, who is Jonah Hill's character, who is the uh, the cameraman who is constantly asking her out on dates, and she keeps says, saying no, and he doesn't take no for an answer. That is uh, definitely a red flag in this movie and in life. Um, the uh, Mi- minion kidnaps Roxanne. By the way, um, this is also happening when they're opening the Metro Man Museum, which Metro Man himself is opening. It's got a giant statue of Metro Man. Definitely the movie, I think, is effective in saying... Also, there's the line, his heart is an ocean inside a bigger ocean, which is just like, ugh, yes. gross. It's so bad. The idea here is like, <laughs> Metro Man is terrible. And he's not terrible because he's a bad guy. He's terrible because he's just so good and perfect and on the nose and ugh, it's so gross. The highlight of which is either the fact that he bursts through a fake brick wall to warn people 
as a, and they're they're like, yay, look, he burst through a wall to warn us because it's all just a gag because his museum is opening. Or for me, the best part is where he decides to rap with the people and talk about how much he appreciates them <laughs> by going over to the pond in front of the museum and floating and above it, walking, walking on, on water. water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoa, dude, dude, detail. what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> And isn't that the moment where someone yells, I love you, Metro Man? And mm-hmm. he's like, I he's like, love you, I love gen- you like too. generic citizen. I love you too, yeah. random, <laughs> random citizen. <laughs> random citizen. And it was just like, exactly. Yeah, bro. Exactly. Bro, bro hey, uh, I am beloved is not a personality. Oh. Neither is abs. Neither is biceps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Neither yeah. is hair. Floating on the water. The, the walking mm-hmm. on water is just like, I, like, I, lo- I admire that moment every time because it's like, that says so much about what is happening right now. <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah Metro Man. he's the best he's the best um so meanwhile of also course, in my oh, yeah, book really fitting that he's voiced by brad pitt because i feel like that's that works yeah. for me he's mr perfect mm-hmm. um oh and he me- does a great job meanwhile um megamind has has kidnapped roxanne via the minion uh there's a very funny line that i enjoy which is that she's she's been uh taken to the hideout with a bag over her head and they remove the bag and she says, ugh, would it kill you to wash the bag? I just thought, I think there's a lot of good one-liners <laughs> like that. It's like, you're really bad at this and she's critiquing his work uh, throughout and it's it's really great. But uh, he appears, Megamind appears and dark clouds appear over the museum and he's going to attack uh, Metro Man and, and uh, he mispronounces Metro City as Metrocity to which he replies in a, a, a delightful moment, ah, oh, potato, tomato, potato, tomato. What? Uh, <laughs> That's one one of my favorite dumb jokes has been you know someone doing the sheet music and going, uh, you say potato and I say potato. I don't see the problem. Yeah, it's you know potato. You say potato, I say tomato. Whatever. Uh, and then there's you know the, there's the they're standing off against each other, and there's the little uh, switcheroo bit, which is pretty nice, where he's coming to the observatory because stupid Mega Mind always has his headquarters in the observatory, so he's going to the observatory, and uh, Roxanne thinks he's coming for uh, Metro Man is coming for her, but uh, he's got a fake observatory, and 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 Metro Man <laughs> has gone to the real observatory, and uh, they boast at each other. To which Roxanne says at one point, "Girls, girls, you're both pretty." Because like both these guys need to yeah. shut up, <laughs> and I'm a sucker for that joke every time. Yeah, uh, and then and then the interesting little plot twist for later comes in, which is like, ah, it is copper, my weakness, uh, and and <laughs> Mega Mind's like, you're weakness is copper really <laughs> um and uh there's a huge the death ray detonates the uh the observatory and a uh a skeleton wearing metro man's cape lands at the megamind's headquarters and uh this is that moment where megamind says oh no i actually killed him uh now what and, mm-hmm. and that, that moment actually that, that moment act genuinely surprised me uh, uh, <laughs> genuinely shocked me you know the skeleton just landing down there you right. know that was that that was when i set up and take took notice and yep. the movie had me from that moment yeah one of the things i really mm-hmm. enjoyed was um was uh, metro man's inten- uh, intentionally on the part of brad pitt bad acting of oh no copper my mm. one weakness <laughs> uh-huh. and it just it was it was so perfectly dude who has never had to convince anybody of anything in his whole life <laughs> mm-hmm. and just expects that everything that he is saying is totally believable um, um you know yeah, yeah it was it was uh, just it, it was chef's kiss no yep. perfect yep mm. Uh, and, and so that leads into a section of the movie where Megamind now is like, literally, you know, he's like, what do I do? Cause he's the dog who caught the car. And it's like, what do I do with this car? So he like, he goes to city hall and uses various popular music tracks licensed by DreamWorks. <laughs> um, and then ultimately ends up in, I, I guess like the mayor's office or something and thinks that there's a very interesting screen there. And, and, and Minion points out that's a window. I've never had a view before. Poor Megamind has led a a sad life, and uh, and he realizes that uh, it's not so great just uh, defeating your enemy because there's a uh, we get we get a little montage. There's a hilarious "No, you can't" poster 
in the style of the Obama, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can. It's no, you can't with Megamind on it. And he ends up very sad having an existential discussion with the little Thirsty Bird desk toy <laughs> about how everything's just too easy now. And uh, he's not happy. He's he's sad. So he and Roxanne both end up at the uh, Metro Man Museum, uh, which is interesting. And then, then they, uh, they're kind of like crossing paths. They're on opposite elevators and they're moving around. Um, and this is, uh, this is, uh, that moment where he, he, uh, takes the librarian who does look a little high, David Hyde Pierce-ish a little bit, uh, and, and takes his identity, sort of copies him and turns him into a little cube of dehydrated matter so that he can take it over his, uh, his presence and ends up charming Roxanne, but also he's about to blow up the museum. So they should probably leave which is a funny touch. Like you think that he's there just being melancholy about the whole thing. But in fact, he's actually going to blow up the statue in the museum because he still hates uh, Metro Man a lot. Yes, we, we should we should leave in about two, two minutes and 35 seconds. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But this is the beginning of this interesting relationship where, you know, Megamind not being judged for who he is, like appearance-wise and track record-wise, but like as an interesting person, and he has a connection with Roxanne. Like, he is an interesting, smart person when you take all of the other things out of the equation. And, and you know, that's part of the tragedy of Megamind. And it's yeah, also a nice plot twist. Yeah. He's clever and great at being everything except a good villain. Yeah, it turns he's, out. Yeah. He's bad mm-hmm. at that being a villain. That's what he's bad at. Um, so this leads to a portion of the movie where Megamind decides, oh, I know what I need to do heroes aren't born they're made i will make a hero for metro city i will use the dna of metro man to create a little like a gun that will shoot out a superpower gift to someone and i'll find somebody good to give it to but through a series of ridiculous things instead hal the cameraman who is the worst gets the powers and he becomes (laughs) titan uh credited in the credits because this is how he spells it as t-i-g-h-t-e-n titan (laughs) <laughs> well, it was the only way he could copyright the name. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Titan, uh, who is uh, who is the the super Hal, who is instructed on the use of his powers by in one of my favorite super oh. weird references by <laughs> yes. Megamind posing as Marlon Brando from Superman. No, Jason, <laughs> what you don't understand is this legally distinct. It's not the same guy. Space He's, Dad. He, he looks a little bit like the aliens in this island Earth, but yeah, it's totally Brando. Yeah. I died. I died. <laughs> it was... But no, no infringement intended. None intended. I, 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 again, I, I'm, I'm so glad that I had this moment of seeing this movie for the first time and, uh, and, and, and being just not surprised knowing. by it and being surprised by... By fake Brando was just <laughs> oh my god this movie this movie gets itself and this movie gets me <laughs> the idea that Megamind dressed up as Marlon Brando is trying to instruct his new superhero about how to be a good superhero so that he'll so have wait, be a superhero s- so he could fight him like it's such a such a strange you're, combination of things you're my here. space dad yep and who but are yeah, you I'm your space stepmom. Yeah, Minion's disguise is a wig and a an apron, and that's <laughs> but, it. No questions. No questions. But it also works with with the psychological thing of always fighting with your father. You always have to defeat your father. Yep. And it's uh, again, it's a very astute, blah, uh, daddy issues thing. And they do they do their own little training montage where he's riding around on on Titan's back and tell, telling him, you know, what to do and where to fly and all of that. And mm-hmm. we get a montage here. Cause he's also, uh, we also get him as Megamind as the librarian, um, who is, is, uh, talking to and dating and ultimately sort of falling in love with, with Roxanne. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't want to be the bad guy anymore. Hmm. Hmm, that is very upsetting to Minion, by the way, when he says, maybe I don't want to be the bad guy anymore. What is that? What does that even mean? Uh, and Minion's very upset by that. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> which leads to actually one of my favorite lines in the entire movie, which is, well, good luck on your date. I will. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> what? I know. <laughs> a lot of good one-liners in this movie. It really is... Uh, 
It really is is great. But this is, you know, this this takes us. So we've got all the parts in in place, which is, um, he's trying to create turn Hal into Titan to be a superhero, and um, the, you know, the truth is that Hal, Hal's not interested, right? Because fundamentally, he's a bad person who's bad. Like that. That's the thing is that is that Megamind is not fundamentally a bad person. He's bad at being a supervillain. In fact, Hal is bad. He is the villain. And Megamind realizes he's created a villain and maybe he doesn't want to be the bad guy anymore. And this is like the core fascinating thing about this movie is this movie is about somebody who ends up being told he's a villain and realizes that he actually has to be the hero and then discovers that he's actually kind of good at being the hero. It's Mm -hmm. so delightful, but this is the moment where it turns and he realizes, Oh, well, if Titan is really bad, who's going to stop him? It's like, Oh, it's me. (laughs) It's me. That that moment in Hal's apartment where, uh, he realizes that Hal's been, stealing and being a villain and all this other stuff and the and megamind is so damn clever that he real he 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 figures out immediately how to push hal's buttons and to and to draw him out so yeah i'm your space dad and yeah i'm bernard just right piling that stuff on him over and yeah. over and over again it's just so good and and now going back to the idea of structure i can see why they might have said, all right, you can't start with that fight with Metro Man and ending with his body because we need to know that Megamind is actually good first, right? He's not inherently evil in the beginning, you know, in the beginning of his story. It's just, you know, his experience as a child, his experiences in school, his experiences against Metro Man kind of made him who he is. But yeah, he's terrible at being a villain. And so they may have said we need to establish that he's not a bad guy really yeah i can and, i can see that and that leads in the in roxanne's date right before he has that moment with titan where where uh titan has you know stolen stuff and is just like i'm not interested in being a hero i'm going to be a villain it's more fun that way he has that date with roxanne that doesn't go well because she realizes that he's megamind and there's this whole concept in there of um judging people based on their actions and I think mm-hmm. that's really fascinating because, you know, for the first part of his life, Megamind, well, first off, he tries and then and then is treated badly. And so he decides that being villainous is his going to be the thing that he is embraces. But he's obviously done a lot of villainous things over the years. And in this movie, you know, I think it's worth thinking about that idea that he's he doesn't deserve any credit with Roxanne. Because he's been a villain up to now. He hasn't done anything to show that he's anything other than a villain up to this point. Um, but that up this to movie, and including lying to her. Ex- and, absolutely. Know, mm-hmm. ex- absolutely. Which is, it's one of those tragic moments where it's like he is lying to her, but also she would never talk to him if he was himself. Um, but that's the tragic thing is he can't, you know, then then there's no way out of that situation. It's a, it's, it's a failure either way for him. But um, the best he can do is admit who he is and and let her judge him for that. But I do like that this movie contains the possibility for redemption, right? Like the whole point here is that is that Megamind is a is a villain who has decided that he would rather be a hero, and I, I love that. That that's that's so that's not even like shades of gray. That is is going from white to black or black to white. That is a an inversion of the role that we see Megamind go through and Roxanne's right to judge him, but, and the movie's right to judge him about it. But that's one of the beautiful things about this movie, I think. Well, you you can look in contrast to Hal, who sort of faces the same experience and he's like, "Uh, I guess I'm evil now. And that sense of entitlement that he has around uh, the relationship, he's like, well, it can't possibly be who I am and all the actions and person that I've brought to her before that makes her reject me. Now that I'm just like, you know, got all the (laughs) Metro man, good looks and power, obviously everyone will just want to be with me. And it's like, no, she wants someone better. He could have done the same thing as Megamind does, which is like continue to be a hero and prove himself worthy. Instead, he's just like, fine. And that kind of incel reaction to it, which again is, you know, timely. But yeah, and then he just kind of goes off the the rails and kind of takes the opposite path of of Megamind, which is a good narrative. That's a really good point because uh, because they, they, both Megamind and Titan sort of, they have the same problem. Um, they 
they're sort of they're they're rejected and how they respond to rejection. I mean, uh, basically, arguably, Megamind is created as a villain by Brad Pitt and all of the other kids in school mocking yeah. him and stuff like that. You know, his choice to respond to that. Um, and Titan sort of responds in sort of the same way, but you see some of that inherent, in, inherent goodness in Megamind mm-hmm. that's that that he started out with. That's just absolutely absent with Hal. Yeah, yeah. Hal, Hal's Hal's a bad person, right? Megamind learns. Megamind is treated so badly that he he decides that everybody's rejected him and he's just going to go the other way. Right. But which is a choice and should, he should be judged by that. But you know, it's very clearly kind of like not a fundamental part of his, of his nature. It's the path that he's sort of forced on. I, I guess I would say it helps that we don't see like some horrible thing that Megamind did that killed a bunch of people. Right. Like, well, let's, let's not, he was, but he, he probably failed. Well, that's right. That would be the argument. Is that, that. Did is he that fail he, because he was bad it. or did he fail because he didn't really want to do it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. This movie does not give us any Zack Snyder moments with no. Megamind. <laughs> no. Oh, darn. No. <laughs> no, he's, he's, I mean, you could definitely read it as that he's just actually very bad at this. Um, and then if you read it that way, then this movie is about somebody finding what they're actually good at, right? Because mm-hmm. what he's good at is being a hero. He's bad at being a villain, but he's good at being a hero. You could also say that this movie is saying literally the opposite of villain is hero. <laughs> and if you're bad at one, maybe <laughs> yeah. you're good at the other one. Because Jonah Hill's character, Hal, uh, Titan, is uh, bad at being a hero, but he's uh, good at being a villain. He's very bad. Um, but you know, it's, it's literally the circumstances of where he landed, right? Yeah. That's, that's largely why he became a villain. It's what he learned. Yeah, exactly. Or do we all actually need an arch nemesis to be a hero? Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess I better go find an arch nemesis. <laughs> Somebody call up Tony Sindelar. This is, this is <laughs> I why I nemesis. <laughs> this is why I hate Zack Snyder films because he doesn't understand Superman. One of the things I like about Superman is you're just a hero because you're just inherently good. You know what's right and you help people. You don't have to have a villain to help He's people. Nice. He's a nice kid from another planet. So next up we get that we get the the plot twist which i'm now uh very interested in seeing if chip saw this coming which is megamind just like why did the copper not work because he 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 mm-hmm. sets a trap for titan using copper haha you have the same powers as metro man so therefore you will uh you will be stopped by copper and it doesn't work and it's a complete failure and that leads him to ponder quite what's going on and he gets roxanne to help him and go to like metro man's uh his his, his fortress, fortress of, of solitude, solitude. yes there's some sort of solitary fortress that he might have uh uh, and it's actually the school, the shul, from uh, early on. Uh, underneath that is a secret Metro Man lair. And, and, and it's revealed that uh, he's there and he's alive and he faked his own death because he didn't want to be a hero anymore. Chip, were you surprised? I was, Jason. Yeah. I thought I thought the bad delivery of uh, <laughs> Copper, my weakness, was just DreamWorks being DreamWorksy. <laughs> and turns out, no, this movie is a hell of a lot more subtle than I was expecting. Um, in some ways, anyway. And yeah, that was that was hilarious. Now I, I will say I was not surprised, not because I'm good at plotting, but because in the trailer. They have the whole scene of Brad Pitt's character with a beard and saying, oh, well, now I can do my own interest music. Mm. And oh. Don't watch the trailer. That's all in Dreamworks, the trailer. DreamWorks always manages to DreamWorks the trailer. Yeah. 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 I hate trailers yeah. like that. So he, uh, he says, you know, once your death ray hit me, I never felt so alive, which also points out that this mm. is, this is it's a me- great line. Megamind's greatest <laughs> triumph was not a triumph. It was, it was a failure like all the others. And it was just because Metro Man was tired of being Metro Man that, so even he was tired of it, right? Like, even he was like, ugh, this is too much. So he's going to go and concentrate on his music because he, he has a, he has a bunch of guitars and he's not very good at it, but that, whatever. Um, and they like, well, you have to come back and save us from Titan. And he says, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested in any of that. 
Uh, but he says there's a yin to every yang, little buddy. He says to make to <laughs> make a mind, and uh, that's a great moment because it's the, it's like, I don't know. It's a take on that we are not so different to you and I. But it's more like <laughs> every hero needs a villain, and every villain needs a hero, and 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 it it puts it in the frame of well, then who is the counterpoint to Titan? And the answer is. It's Megamind, right? So, but it's it's just a, I, I like it. I, and I know that could come across as just totally patronizing, but I don't read it that way. I feel it's like, like now that he's retired, Metro Man could admit that like, maybe Megamind's his best pal, right? Like they did everything together for years. I, yeah. I, I just think it's a great moment. And he understands on some level that this is Megamind's destiny. And there's no Metro Man without Megamind. Because how you a hero if you have no villain right. destroying the exactly. castle. Exactly. Um, and, you know, a lot of traditional superhero media can't really investigate and interrogate the idea of the villain, right? Because the villain has to be really bad. It's just the villain's there as a problem for the hero. And one of the unique things about Megamind that makes me love it so much is this is a movie about the villain who's not really a villain, but like it's a movie about what, why you would be a villain and what the relationship between a hero and villain is and how maybe it's not necessary that the villain is actually a villain. Um, and I was going to say, I defy you to tell me another movie, superhero movie that does this, but I don't know, probably Venom does. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but Astro City does. That's one of the things that I love about that. Venom, uh, Venom tries to, that'd be a, that'd be a solid rocket surgery right there, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A late entry in the summer of Spider-Man. Do do we have to watch it? Uh, (laughs) you don't have to. (laughs) I mean, I already did. No, but nobody has to. (laughs) Um, so, so the last, last act here is that, uh, Titan, uh, kidnaps Roxanne and says, Megamind, come and fight me. Um, oh, I, I guess I guess I should have mentioned the thing that happens before they go to Metro Man's Lair, which is a, an important point, which is they fight and Megamind keeps expecting the 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 copper ball only happens because Megamind expects that it will continue to be the give and take of, you know, we fight and then you send me to jail and then I break out and we fight again. And it's this we're we're actually we need each other kind of thing. And Titan's comment is, no, I'm just gonna kill you. And, yeah. and and Megamind realizes, oh, uh, this isn't like my relationship. I I didn't right. I didn't do this to to Metro Man. I wasn't trying to murder him. We had a kind of ongoing thing. It was fun. We kind of go back and forth like that. And that's that moment a where he realizes, per se, exactly. And that Titan mm-hmm. is not interested in that. He's just like, I know I'll kill you, and then you'll be dead, and then I can move on with my life. Um, and, and so and he, it's a really it's a like, sharp comment on. The, the Silver Age of superheroes and then the modern gritty age where it's like, no, 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 we're, we're going to try and kill yeah. each other. No, you're right. You're right. And so here he kidnaps Roxanne and says, basically, Megamind, you've got to come or I'm going to kill her. And we end up with the, the big fight and, and uh, uh, Minion reappears and, and there's apologies all around for, for the things that everybody said before. And uh, Titan is in, in some fun superhero physics. Titan is like tearing off top the top of a giant skyscraper and using it as a weapon and throwing it around the city, which I thought was kind of interesting looking just on its own. Yeah. Uh, it all feels really, it does feel uh, Zack Snyder, man of steel, you mm-hmm. know, it, yes. at, at this point, at this point, it feels literally dangerous and literally yes. violent, uh, man, manageably. So, I mean, it is DreamWorks anim- animation, but, um, you know, it's 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 not play anymore. Um, he, Hal's a bad, bad guy, and he's dangerous, and he's uh, going to harm people. And and this is again, that's one of the things that for me, it just it was like too much. It's like this is too much. It's too dark hmm. right there. But you know, dial it down a little bit. I'm fine with it. I I did like the moment right right before tearing off the building and everything, where Megamind shows up. And he goes, well, you oh. may be a villain, but you're not a super villain. What's and the difference? Presentation. presentation. 
That is beautiful. <laughs> and 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 all of DreamWorks' use of uh, pop music is forgiven because it's the perfect use of Welcome to the Jungle. Yes. The animation mm-hmm. is stunning. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I just love it from top to bottom. Like, I mean, the, the whole story is so much fun because it understands a villain who can be heroic and still be villain, right. you know, present like a villain. You know, identify well, as well, a villain. When he goes out, when he goes out to uh, to confront Titan, he he gets out, gets out the black mamba, right? Like he's concerned about his outfit, right? He wants to have a really black, <laughs> you know, big collar, spiky outfit because that's what he wants. And and yeah, he's not impressed because they're like, "Come on, have a little self respect, Titan. Like uh, you're not you're not good at this. I was I had style. You have no <laughs> style. Uh, these kids today, they just want to kill people. And, and again, dopey line. But I love when Minion first introduces, oh, I'm making you this cape, and I call it the Black Mamba. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem I with the tone. I love dragging that out. I don't have a problem with the tone here because I think that you need some genuine Jeopardy. Um, oh, sure, you, sure. You, I, just, I just thought it was a smidge too much. I, but yeah, yeah you, I, do need, you do need danger, yes. It was reminding me of our discussion around Cloverfield with the people on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. even the people on the ground were like, oh, this is a different villain than Megamind. And it sort of paints everything that was happening with Megamind in very different light. Well, and uh, yeah, they, right. they were more scared. This is this is setting up the public coming around on Megamind, right? Like this is right. this is once you see how bad Titan is, you realize Megamind was really not that oh, bad. Oh, he's just cute bad. And Me- then Megamind was, was clever and fun and he liked capers and he did yeah. this and he did so that. So that's he the beginning of the, of the image rehab of Megamind. And then step two is yeah. you defeat the bad guy and then you're the hero. That's how that works. So, but he doesn't need to do that because Metro Man is back. Yay! Metro Man reappears, and he's gonna in- intimidate uh, Titan and uh, beat him up and make sure that he stays out of metrocity for good. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> Metro Man is back, and we've won. And then, of course, Titan returns and says, "Only one person pronounces it metrocity," and it's revealed that, of course, that this is uh, Megamind in disguise with a jetpack, not because <laughs> Megamind can't fly. Uh, and uh, and that's very bad. And that leads to our moment that flashes back to the very beginning of the movie, which is that he's dropping through the air, which isn't even that dramatic because he's he's been thrown up in the air by Titan, but with the gun that he's going to use to suck the powers out of Titan. And what happens? He uh, he grabs the gun and he dehydrates oh. himself and lands well, in he, the fountain he grabs the other and gun. rehydrates himself and then shoots Titan and <laughs> takes his power away. And then the movie's over. So, you know... Uh, I don't know if we need to flash back to it, but it is a it is a really fun. We've seen the dehydration gun throughout the movie. It is a fun use of that, which is like, how is he going to land? And the answer is, he turns himself into a dehydrated cube, lands in the fountain, rehydrates, and then he can be the hero again. They they do such a great job deploying all sorts of Chekhov's guns through the whole plot. <laughs> Everything like that pays off beautifully. All of Chekhov's arsenal on display yeah. here. Yeah, Chekhov's disintegration gun. And uh, having having defeated Titan uh, and being revealed as the hero, Megamind gets to be the hero. I I question whether Megamind should have authorized the creation of the Megamind Museum with a giant <laughs> Megamind statue. I feel like maybe he should have been a little more benevolent and said it's sort of like a, a Metro City uh, Heroes Museum with a, a statue of him and a statue of Metro Man. But that's not really how they do it. Um, he, he says, it's funny... Uh, destiny is not the path given to us. It's what we choose, which is a really nice, that's, yes, this is the theme of the movie is that ties right back need, to the first, yeah. first scene. And at the opening, there's a fake brick wall again. And, and this time he shoots through <laughs> it with a laser beam. And it just made me laugh because it's so stupid. And you know, he gets to do all the things that Metro Man got to do. Uh, cue the uh, expensive licensed popular music over the credits. Uh, that's well, and, Megamind. And there is a moment of, uh, hey, buddy, my my kid can't see. Oh, yeah, that's true. And it's Metro Man in disguise. Yes, that's right, because he's come to watch, and he's happy that and he's that he's me- still that bearded. Me- that Mega Mind has succeeded. And I'm glad that that that's the only way that he reemerged. That it wasn't yes. really him during the climactic fight. Yeah, yeah. who came to save the day. Mm-hmm. Um, he really stuck to just moving on. And if his head was not in it, well, then a new hero had to rise. And that's uh, that's why Megamind's arc ended up being the way that, that it worked. Yeah. And again, Chekhov's facial hair, right? 
he's clean shaven when he turns up at the final fight. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's because that's how people recognize him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am always a little thrown because bearded Metro Man looks freakishly like one of my theater director friends. It's, wow. It's creepy. That's yeah. a universal I mean, observation there, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also it thought it looked really like somebody creepy. you know. So that was weird how that <laughs> happened. I don't know. Strange. I do a great impression of him. You'll have to take my word for it. Okay. Is this not glinning? Yeah. Yeah, it's unglinning. It's, yeah, it is. Anti-glinning. Mega-glinning. So- so Megamind is a superhero movie about a villain who actually could have been a hero and decides he's going to be a hero after creating, by the way, after creating the supervillain that threatens the <laughs> yeah. city and destroys the city. Because again, I mean, he's bad at this. He's bad at this stuff, but he, he was good at being good at the end. So it, that, that's, that's nice. Um, uh, and I, I went through this rewatch and was reminded again, all the reasons why I love this movie. I think it's a very funny, sweet, uh, and smart movie about, all of these superhero tropes and, and things. So how, how, after watching it this time, how, how did everybody feel? Chip, let's start with you. Cause you were the, you are the newbie here. I am the newbie. Um, yeah. Once, once we got into the real plot after the setup was done, I was, I was totally on board. Um, I thought Will Ferrell was great. And I think that one of the, one of Will Ferrell's strengths is clearly not just sort of throwing himself into the roles, but, um, he, he's kind of chameleon like, um, I didn't see a lot of the sort of the, 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 the jock, the cheerleader character on Saturday night live. I, I didn't see any of that in, uh, Megamind, the character and it worked really well. Um, I, it, all the, all the anti Will Ferrell bias that I had just, uh, sort of melt, melted away. Um, Tina Fey is good. Um, the other, the other, uh, the other uh, voice cast is good, but I think the thing that I like the most about Megamind is there's actually there's actual clever stuff happening in the script and uh, the direction uh, that feels a, it feels a cut above the dream the DreamWorks stereotype. Um, um, I read that the this was sort of the last DreamWorks movie that was going to be just a, like a straight up parody of other genres they just sort of leaned into creating their own franchises after that um because this one apparently didn't do as well as uh they would have liked and that's kind of a shame because i think that this is i think i think it's i think i I agree with you jason this is a great movie yeah and and it's funny because just Again, a decade later, we've seen so many superhero movies that I feel like it actually plays even better now. And it doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it's maybe in 2010, it was really like, this is a parody of superhero movies, just like Shark Tale. It's a parody of gangster movies or something. But like from the perspective of 2021, I don't feel like it's that simple at all. Like this is the superhero movies first off are, are like some of the most successful movies. And then I think this is a good superhero movie in its own. It's not just sort of a, a cheap joke factory riffing off an existing format. I, I, it does have some things to say about uh, the premises that we take for granted that are baked into superhero movies in some smart ways. So I'm going to yeah. say something. This is real. This is a really tortured comparison and I apologize, but I think a little bit of breaking bad. I mean, the characters in this movie, once you get Metro Man out of the way, um, this isn't this isn't a heroes versus villains story. Um, It's it it, ultimately Mega Megamind becomes a hero. But for the for most of this thing, it's it's just two it's just flawed characters sort of going on going up against each other. Um, and, uh, seeing where they wind up, um, in the end, it's good versus evil, but for the most part, it's what does this character want? What's the other character want? And, and, uh, clashing, clashing at each other. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't feel like a superhero movie to me. Um, it felt, it, 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 it felt different and unique. Annette, you, uh, didn't remember it. How did you feel after revisiting it? I did remember, like, I think that optimism i because i out at my heart i'm an optimist i like to be a half glass half full kind of girl and 
I liked the messaging around being able to change yourself and choose a different destiny. I also like that there is no like that it really wasn't about destiny at all. It's that like you you don't have a destiny. You are who you who you behave your actions. And that's just a an empowering message, really, because you can choose who you want to be. And uh, yeah, I just you know, I'm not a Will Ferrell hater. I like Phil, Will Harrell, Will Ferrell in certain things, mm-hmm. uh, like Eurovision and Stranger Than Fiction, one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just so like I like when he hits this kind of note of I don't know. He's funny. He can he can hit things really well. So I enjoy that. And yeah, bring on the positive, hopeful message. I feel like right now. I need more of that. Yeah, we could use a, a, a hero like Megamind today, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moises, how about you on, on revisiting this? How are you feeling about Megamind? Well, uh, I, I enjoyed rewatching the best DC Comics movie in the last 15 <laughs> years. Um, uh, th- th- that honestly, I mean, yeah. it's a joke, but it's also true. It's kind of like this true. movie, as I was saying. Uh, um, yeah, kind of like this movie. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a joke, but it's also true. That's what I like about it um, is that it is funny. The gags are good. Um, and everything went through enough filters such that um, such that none of the runner jokes wear thin on me at all. Yeah. Which is not something yeah. that I can say about other DreamWorks movies. Um, it, uh, it, as Jason said, it arguably plays better now um, than it did when it came out two years after the first Iron Man movie. Uh, which feels like more than a decade ago right. when it comes to cinematic language of all sorts. Um, yeah, this is a know, reaction it, to the first couple Christopher Nolan Batman movies and uh-huh. Iron Man and the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. It's a much more esoteric riff than the following decade would have made it. Yeah, it's, it is it is to me a, a fascinating Superman Elseworlds movie. And granted, they've done some of those in animation at Warner Brothers. They've even done Red Sun as an animated movie. Um, yeah. And and there there are so many officially published by DC alt takes on what if Superman landed here instead of here, or you know what if a different baby landed here, um, that kind of thing. And um, it is a testament, I think, to the writers and the filmmakers that they came up with something that that was doing an, yet another alt take on something that had been done for decades upon decades already um, by the owners of the IP that obviously this was riffing on. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would have, I, I could have, I could have done with um, if they had come up with a, a concept for a second mega mind movie more than other sequels to things that, that have come out in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, the way that things have um, changed and morphed since then uh, this is still a, Hey DC, give this movie a look <laughs> and just <laughs> consider certain things about tone and things that you can do, um, as jokes that aren't at the expense of, you know, women or the underprivileged, um, just, you know, give it a thought, just, just yeah. throwing that out there. The, yeah. The, the jokes, I'm glad you mentioned that the, the running jokes in this are, are don't, don't outlast their welcome. And are very solid. That's watching this again. I am struck again by how tight the screenplay is. Like we can talk about the the way it starts, which is the laziest uh, flashbacks <laughs> framing sequence ever. Like it's totally unnecessary. But um, in terms of the the jokes, in terms of the comedy bits, and again, there's no way to tell how much of that is stuff that maybe they asked very funny people who are voice actors to just kind of riff a little bit um, and do some alts and. Uh, that maybe they improve, maybe Tina Fey and and Will Ferrell improve the movie. I don't know whether that's true or not, but regardless of the origin of it, like it feels solid in terms of the jokes. The jokes, there aren't too many jokes. The sh- the movie doesn't show uh, slow down for the jokes, but the jokes are good, and they don't. I th- I think they don't outlast their welcome. So, and I, and you also, I mean, besides the main cast, you also have Bill Hader, Amy Poehler, and Ben Stiller in there. Just hanging out, just just yeah, doing stuff, just doing stuff. Uh, David, uh, overall, final words from you. I, you know, I I enjoy it. I love it. Um, I I agree. It is a very underrated film. It sort of vanished the year it came out. 
because, you know, it, it actually did pretty well. It, it made its budget back, but it was the same year as How to Train Your Dragon, Despicable yep. Me, Tangled, mm-hmm. One of the Shreks, and Toy Story 3, which topped a billion. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course it's going to be kind of lost in the shuffle. But it's it deserves a rewatch. It deserves you know anyone who likes investigating superhero tropes, likes investigating the idea of a of a hero and a villain facing off, and also likes funny. This is a great movie for that. Yep. And it certainly understands the importance of heroism way better than anything Christopher Nolan or Zack Snyder has have done. Mm. I can't disagree with that. Well, I will die on that hill. There it is, folks. I, I As we record this, it's not available on a, a streaming service in the U.S. You would need to rent it. Um, or the Blu-ray is also available. Uh, fortunately, Annette got to watch it on Netflix. Yeah, come to Canada. Canada. Yeah. It's on Netflix. <laughs> there you go. But uh, it's it's readily available. So uh, if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in more than a decade, uh, check it out. I think after all the superhero movies we've been through together the last 11 years, uh, <laughs> it's it's even more resonant than it was. So it's been fun to talk about Megamind, one of my favorites, one of my, my, uh, my unloved favorites that we're just throwing some love its way. Uh, thanks to my panelists for joining me to do that. Annette Weirstra, thank you so much. I'm happy to come join you from Canada. <laughs> Chip Sutter, thank you. On the count of three, unsheath your churro. Moises <laughs> Chuyan, thank you. I thank you from the tippy top of my big blue head. <laughs> and David Jaylor, thank you. I thank you, and I'm going to go off and practice my ukulele. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable Potato, Tomato, Potato, Tomato. We'll see you next week.